Mark Stardart is a visual communicator using art as a vehicle to educate, empower, and unite. These core values are the foundation of which Mark was raised to embody and create upon. Over the years, Mark was moved to harmonize and integrate his formidable spirit for social activism with his passion for music and sports. Listen as Mark takes us on his journey of his reel. Growing up, I always wanted to see more people who look like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast, hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. Hello, and we are here on the Make Your Mark talk show. And today we have a very special guest. So, Mark Stardart. Did I get that right? Stardart, yes. Stardart. Yep. We art. have art? Well, you say it's the stard and then the art. Stard and the art. The irony in that is that is actually the area you specialize in. Yeah, like, leave it my mark, like Mark. Uh, here we go. So, Mark is a visual communicator, and he is really unique in what he does uh, in being able to translate history in a form of art. And we're going to really get deep into that. But one of the things I loved, Mark, about reading your bio is I love the part, the you, your three words that you stand for, educate, empower, and unite, which are three very big, powerful words. They are overly used sometimes. I um, but I do feel that you do embody those words. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to tell the, our audience a little bit about yourself and how we arrived at this place of you now being a visual communicator. About myself and how long do I have to talk about that? You can talk. You got time. Oh wow! You got time. Again, the the phrase "educate, empower, unite" is for me is um, tying in educating the mind, empowering the body, so the souls can unite, unite as one. I just feel that at a young age, I always wanted to find ways of communicating stories, and I feel that um, just picking up that pencil was the best gift that has been given to me to actually tell stories. And um, kind of guess being the only son in the household and a limited of toys, I had to kind of create my own world, my own reality. So I usually will get comic books or whatever I can do just to redraw and actually mimic those drawings and then cutting them out and creating my own little characters out of it and creating my own little imagination of, of, a, of a world. And that builds into finding more areas of actually telling stories. And um, I'm fast forwarding now to high school. And um, last year, and kind of guess a group of, uh, of my friends, we wanted to be a part of a movement. And um, I did my, <laughs> funny enough, I'm going to get back to the years now. I was like dating my, my, how long I've been doing this, but uh, in 89 was my first t shirt. Okay. And, um, actually creating something that's so iconic now was um, an image of the Black Panther, uh, Tychella. And actually designing that and putting it onto a shirt with all of my friends wearing it. And going down to um, university, when Caravan was on university before I was on, on Lakeshore, and coming out of the subway system. You're starting to age yourself. I know, <laughs> I am when I'm talking the story, but but it's, it's informative to understand the theme behind resilience, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Believing in your gift and sticking through whatever the heartaches that happen along the way, something has brought you here to do what you do, your purpose. So just creating those shirts at that time and seeing the reaction of people seeing us wearing those shirts, it made us become like celebrities. And I just took that on. I'm like, okay, it's like a, one of those out-of-body experience realizing that we have something to offer. And that builds into other things and uh, meeting new people at the same time. So, um, I think I'm just rambling into the story, but this artistry has always been the, the safe haven for me. 
I think one of the key things that I read in your story is that you were able to see a blank t-shirt without seeing a blank t-shirt. You saw the t-shirt, but you saw the vision of what you wanted to create on that t-shirt. And did you know at that time that this was going to be kind of your calling, your purpose that you were going to be working in? No. You follow what everybody else has been doing. And um, the two elements, or three, was um, soccer, was sports. So soccer was my, was my first love. The favorite position, I was a goalkeeper. Kind of because I was saving souls. And, but um, that, was my, that was my love. Um, and then following with my friends was basketball was the second thing. And that led me to a, a great journey. I was able to play college basketball at Sheridan, which I went through. I took illustration and design. But it's almost like those are the two things that kind of was my balance. People who knew me in, in, in high school will always see me with my portfolio and a basketball. Okay. <laughs> so anybody who knows will say that Mark was that guy. And everything I would draw at that time was anything was Michael Jordan. Everybody's sketchbook would be Michael Jordan. So it was, everything was been, always been sports and a little bit of activism, but it was more sports and art was the thing that kind of kept me whole. It was kind of defining who I was. Okay. Yeah. And through high school, did you know that you wanted, because I know you went to Sheridan for interpretive illustration program and you graduated right. from that. Correct. Did you know that that was the course that you wanted to do or were you being pushed or swayed potentially by your parents into the traditional, you know, we want you to be a doctor, we want you to be a lawyer. And, you know, here's potentially my son wanting to do something like he wants to draw. No, they knew that um, art was the the thing for me, right? There's only the option that we had was um, OCAD. Okay. Or, and which was closer, of course, because I yeah. was from Scarborough and, and Sheridan was in Oakville. Mm -hmm. And um, I applied, funny enough, I applied for OCAD, but that time, OCAD is totally different to what it is today. There's not too many black people when I was going there. And um, to me, it was just, I felt uncomfortable. It wasn't a, it wasn't a space that was, that would think it would allow me to be that creative. I think that would have kind of stifled my creativity. Plus it was the high rec recognized school or college at that time of, for the arts. But I wasn't, I just didn't feel it was the spot for me. And I was reluctant to go into Sheridan, but um, the basketball team was the kind of thing that kind of drove me to kind of, you know what, let's go there and actually get away from Scarborough for four years. And I honestly feel that I was life safe changing for me because I could have gotten to the wrong crowd at that time and I would have been distracted and all that kind of stuff. So to leave Toronto or leave Scarborough at that time, well, it, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing journey. And I got to meet more people there and connect with, it's different how like, I'm kind of a connector because I got, I know people in Brampton and Mississauga, mm -hmm. people from Toronto and Scarborough and people see me and I have nicknames. Like in, in Brampton, people call me Stodds. Stop calling me started. So, and I know when people say that, I know they're from Brampton. Okay. So, um, just to answer your question again, yeah, my parents knew that it, was, it had to be arts. They're to, I guess, the level of finding a job scenario. Yeah, my parents always wanted you to find a career that actually can pay the bills. They always felt that art wasn't going to be the thing for me to actually sustain. But it took me being in my 40s, to be honest, for my dad to realize, yeah, He's not budging. This is, it's going to be this. And he kind of accepted it for what it was. And yeah, here I am. Okay. Not 40 yet, but. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so did you ever, looking back now, did you ever see yourself, I would consider you like a modern day social activist, but a social activist that does storytelling and, and potentially heals with storytelling in your art mm -hmm. is how I personally see you, would you have seen yourself moving towards that? Yeah, because it's, again, it's, if I look at the, the trail that I led myself into, like I said, my first t-shirt was the Black Panther. Why did I choose the Black Panther? And that time, the level of social consciousness was happening with the music. At that time, you hear it's Public Enemy, Souls of Blackness, Karis One, Public Enemy, I think I just said that again. Uh, newbie, I mean, brand newbian. The music was the kind of just the trailing of, of, of our lifestyle, what it was, right? And the, the stuff that we wore. 
So I emulated it. I wanted to tell my story through that music. So I wanted to create shirts that are powerful and impactful. So I was on that level. I was so radical. I was doing, sh my first shirt I can remember was um, Ice Cube came up with his first album after leaving NWA. Um, and it was- You know that we're not believing that you're 40 anymore, right? Or, I, I know yeah, that. Okay. But we'll get to that. We'll okay. know over that. But, oh, okay. But um, he had America's Most Wanted. And, um, and his song was, I'm the nigger you love to hate. I don't know if you're gonna beat that, but. No, it's okay. But, um, and I created a shirt off of that. I wanted to see if white people would actually wear that shirt. Cause you know what, people embody the music yeah. and everything else. And they put Ice Cube on the back of their shirt. And that sell like hotcakes. A lot of people didn't want to wear it cause they felt uncomfortable. But I felt like that's one thing about shirts, wearing a, an item on your chest is that you have to embody that. You have mm -hmm. to be, um, and the position that whatever you put on has to speak to what, who you are. And um, I see a lot of people were uncomfortable wearing and some people wanted to embody that moment. So I kept like, you know what, let me keep adding and pushing the envelope of more shirts in that way. And my other shirt I put out was um, the police brutality was happening in the city at that time. And I did um, support your local police and I had a police and I had a pig on it mm -hmm. and a serve, protect and break your brother's neck. And then the back of the shirt was beat yourself up. So I was like pushing the envelope. And that time it wasn't just me. There was um, Adrian from Two Black Guys was doing provocative kind of um, shirts that was very moving at the same time. So it was a time. Okay. So I was, I was in that time of things were happening and I wanted to be that person to ask, speak to that and speak to the people what they wanted to wear. Absolutely. You just mm -hmm. kept it relevant with what was happening to. in the scene. Mm -hmm. awesome. still, up to this day, I still do that. I can't just fake it. I can't do bubblegum t-shirts. Yeah. I know I can fit in. And, I'm gonna take it back because I can do bubble company t-shirts I do for other people at the same time. The moments you can capitalize for those bubble company t-shirts, like for example, the Raptors winning. Yep. I was that same person, I ain't gonna lie. I did my bubblegum shirts just to get that moment. But yeah. man, it is what it is. There you go, make your mark. Yes. <laughs> but one of the first ways that I really met you was more so from you being a mentor to young people predominantly within the Scarborough community. Now, I know you go across the GTA, mm -hmm. but you've really kind of taken that community under your wings. Um, Ooh, that's a lot of pressure you say like that. No, but you have though, it's the real, like you've taken that community under your wings. And you know, if somebody says to me, oh yeah, you know this guy, I'm like, yeah, I know his mentor, right? And it's wow. kind of like, that. that's how That's how I've perceived right. you. And which is a beautiful thing. No, it is, it's just, I kind of think humbling because I'm not that guy who actually puts myself in that pedestal saying, I'm that guy who's... Yeah, but you should... I, I believe at some point you should own the work that you do. Um, and you do make an investment in terms of sewing into young people, which you and I both know that they need it. And it's a huge need and it's actually dying out because we're looking at having people like yourself and other elders within the community that are sewing into them. But then what happens when... God forbid, when you move on, who's mm. going to be doing your work? So you being able to instill what you've learned and trying to raise up predominantly young men to be leaders is very, very important. And it's something that shouldn't just be overlooked. So did you ever see yourself coming into this role as to, you know, being someone that was leading these young men to, you know, really giving them that insight on lived experiences? You just said it, it's lived experiences. Um, I think how you draw people in is the things that you're passionate about. So I think my mentorship started at um, basketball because that's my, basketball and soccer, again, those are my love. Yeah. And you, you hit at a certain age of your life, you hit that glass ceiling and you can't really play the sport how you would like it to play. Maybe in the, in the mind, but not in the body. So the best way is to, uh, transferable skills is to share that. And basketball was one of those things was the avenue for me to actually give back. And that's probably my early stages of saying mentorship was coaching basketball and um, seeing how far I can develop some kids from Scarborough. I was um, involved with the Scarborough Blues basketball um, organization. Sam McKenna is the, the founder of, the, of that. And I met him at my first job which was um, silk screening, my silk screen job. When I left college, I was working at this company called Narama Design, and he was there producing shirts for the, the summer camp for Scarborough Blues. And uh, what was cool with that was that um, he asked me to be a part of it. At the same time, I was also legacy 
was I, the branding to the Scarborough Blues um, organization. I created their logos for them. Okay. So you just never know how your journey leads you. And um, some of the young men that I mentored there at that time when they were like, whew, like seven or eight are now grown men that I still have, still have relationships with. And they call me uncle all the time. And it's, it's weird to me sometimes thinking of them, but yeah, you just never know that these mentorship is just life skills. And you just build these camaraderie with these people, not people, these young men, and become an uncle, a father, whatever that is that they are looking for. And you're just there to guide them along the way. And you build these true trust of a bond with them. And so basketball was that leading stage. And now fast forward to now, like I'm involved with the organization called Rise with Randall Ajay, who's a co-founder and meeting with him for the first time seven years ago was an opportunity with Quentin, was another poet that I met through the community and he connected us. And uh, we just formed this bond was now is timeless. Like, um, he's like, he's like my son in a way. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like mentorship does not have to come from one person, it can come from many people yes. in different ways, right? And you just share information, knowledge, the pylons that they can kind of maneuver through life with, right? And I'm, it's weird when you say that, because I don't, I didn't have it. I did have it, but not to the extent what I'm giving to the people that are around my space right now. So yeah, I, I honor that and I take that on, yes. Awesome, good for you. So what would you say one of your biggest accomplishments has been? Biggest accomplishment? Oof. I know, right? That's I know. a big one. To honestly, to actually living the life as an entrepreneur, like I'm not in the matrix of the nine to five. I'm able to sustain myself and my business and living the freedom of, of um, working for me, right? I think that's a big accomplishment because I've seen a lot of people who will have businesses fail from it, right? So the resilience of the sticking it out and still doing the work that I want to do, that's okay. good. it's been good. I think that's a good accomplishment and I'm still continuing to do that. Okay, so awesome. I'm, I feel like I'm blessed with that. I think that the universe is just giving me these opportunities to actually live off of this. And how has it been being an entrepreneur for you for so many years? Oh my gosh. Um, we know that the beauty and the glitz and glamour that they see and everyone walking in the park picking flowers and you know today this is my beach space this uh, is my workspace yeah, the, the soundtracks of everybody's lives right nah. <laughs> how has that been for you i wouldn't take it i would not take it away from anything like i enjoy it but again there's many times i question like maybe i should go back into a job i ain't gonna lie it's been many times like i but i know i would never be happy right so I love it. It's a part of the business. There's that roller coaster. You're going to get your peaks and valleys, right? Yep. And you just enjoy that journey along with every part of the way, right? So what was the time that you felt like giving up? Like you really, you, you wanted to toss in the towel and you wanted to say, you know what? Enough is enough. Probably when early, no, late 90s, I was, um, things were happening for me in a way. I was kind of, I guess, I was burning a candle on two sides. I, was, I had a, a great job. I was working at Much Music. And uh, within Much Music, you make the contacts of um, other artists. And I was doing their branding for them. Like for um, BMG, Sony, Universal, I was doing that kind of work. And at the same time, money was coming in. So things mm -hmm. were just rolling. But <laughs> as one goes up, something has yep. to come down. And um, I left Much Music and I had another job that was paying even more. And I was like, this is, you know, you're just feeling the, the lavish life of things that just happened. Get a nice vehicle, rolling, looking like you're the Don Juan, which is gassing yourself up. That's when the ego plays a little bit more into your, your personal space. And like I said, um, downsizing, company folds, that people are getting paid the most, gets cut the first. Yeah. And um, I couldn't get a job. Um, the, the work that I was doing for myself wasn't really sustaining me a little bit. It was good, but it wasn't um, lucrative in the way I can really live off of it. And um, funny enough, it's always that calling. Uh, my dad, um, his first job, only job, was working for Cadbury, right? And, um, and his only job. Only job he worked there for at least close to 36 years of his life. Wow. Like he put in work there. 
So with those opportunities for us, I'm a cabaret baby. So he will come home and then we're getting like, come home. You can just smell the house candy on him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's my first way of interacting with people. Cause my dad will come home with all this chocolates and stuff. And I will go back home or go back to school and I will share with all my friends and I'll make friends because of that. And I realized, hold on, why am I making all these friends? I said, no, I, let me sell the stuff. So I became a little young little entrepreneur at a young age. And um, funny enough with that, becoming a teenager, um, that was my first or second job was working for Cadbury. I hated that job. Trust me, I tell you. I hated, I hated <laughs> oh my gosh. Especially because your dad worked there. Oh, so they watched me, right? Yeah. Holy cow, so frustrated, man. Like, they love my sister. Oh, my sister's a beautiful worker, but your son? Oh, we can't. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And it's the worst, I can tell you this, the worst way when you hate a job is when you finish your work and then you go home, you go to sleep, and you say, you're in your dreams, you're dreaming the, you're dreaming the job in your head, and you, you couldn't get no sleep because you're, you're in the dream of that job you hate. <laughs> oh, I know what that feels yeah, like. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was my feeling, but back to what I was saying is that I lost all the jobs and I didn't know where to go. My dad goes, well, you always can come back. I'm like, man, I want to go back to Cadbury. But that was one of my most humbling experiences to be in because it changed my perspective of how, um, like I said, things that are good for you, there's always something else that you have to kind of navigate to. And uh, I take that as one of my life lessons of learning something. And from that job, um, a young lady, left because she was on mat leave and um it was in the graphics department so i applied for that position i got in oh nice yeah so that opened another arena for me as an artist again and that took me on another level of um finding myself which was amazing but just to end it short was that um at that year a good friend of mine sean rose we called him blue he transitioned and that shocked me in scarborough and Melbourne. it totally shocked all of us in the, in the community and in that moment for that took it upon myself, I realized that I can't just live just to just to exist. I gotta I gotta live. And then I went back and doing the arts again. And I started painting. Instead of doing the graphics stuff, I went back and just actually doing paintings. Okay. So that changed everything for me. So it just goes to show when one door closes, the other one opens. Most definitely. I am I'm a testament of that. And um it's funny that even now, full circle again, I stopped painting. And just doing the other things of life of just working, right? And just not, I would say exist. I was, I'm still living, but not really being happy what I'm doing. And um, a young man that I mentor, um, he transitioned um, two weeks ago, or last week was his funeral and stuff. And it got me to start thinking again that you have to leave your legacy. You have to really leave an impact on people's lives, right? Of course, I mentor, but at the same time, what about me? What is it that I want to be happy with? That when I'm gone and I leave my mark, Ooh, the show the mark, but yeah, yeah, make your mark. I'm making my mark, but um, what's going to be that piece that people can remember me by? That's a key piece. You know, what is your legacy going to be? And we're here on Earth now, but you know what? We're not thinking sometimes beyond that. Now, as of recent, you've experienced uh, younger people transitioning yes out of this world, and I'm sure that's obviously done something to you, especially when you're mentoring them and you've been working with them closely, but how do you deal with particularly people moving on around death? Like, what does that do for you? What does it do within you? That's a real good question. I'm still just trying to deal with that myself. Um, I think last year for myself, I lost a good friend on my birthday and um it just spun me back to and to when i lost sean and niger was his name and um he was there with me at blue's funeral so it just got me thinking it's always a level of reflection when you when people are close to that transitions right and um that year on my birthday when niger passed i got the news I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. And then from that channel, from that moment, I had an abundance of transitionings. Like from my aunt, three, three of my aunts passed, cousins, um, friends. So it was just that year of last year was like 
I thought this year would be good. I, I thought, you know what? I, I'm gone through that. I got enough yeah. more. They said they, they come in threes. This was more than three. I said, you know what? I got my abundance of this now. I'm good. And then um, this year, like from Mr. G from G987, who transitioned, and knowing that how how involved I was with particular people, like with Mr. G, like I did the branding for them. So I know my contribution with people within those, in those spaces. And then to lose um, another comrade, a young man who I was mentoring, which was um, JV, was a shock because it's his, his loss or his transition was too, he's too young, right? And it, it hit me. And just to see how everybody was coping with that of losing somebody, because I think the younger generation now or young people haven't been through that, right? And and then for me, kind of just, I've been through it, so I'm just trying to be supportive as much as I can, but at the same time, I'm hurting. And I'm trying to be that cool guy at the same time, but I have nobody to be there to actually hear me dealing with what's going on. And even now, as I'm speaking to you, I'm, I'm healing. I'm like, I'm feeling like it's still um, a place that I'm trying to cope and figure out what is, what's happening? Why is this happening? Um, there's those, those questions that you throw into your, into your head, but it always keeps coming back that um, we're all living borrowed time, yep. right? And um, I go back, back to my mentor, Dr. Carlos, and he told me, it's like, there's nothing to do with um, the day that you're born or even with the day that you die, right? It's what you do, that's that dash in between. It's what, what's gonna be your mark? What's gonna be your legacy? that leaves that blueprint that people can follow. So it just puts me back into the gym again. Like I gotta go harder. I gotta do the things that keeps me happy. And maybe through not speaking to it, but leading by it, hopefully the next person can see what I'm doing and they might follow suit and they, they gotta find their way of preserving their, their stories. Cause that's what we are. We're, we're all we're doing, we're storytellers. Yes. We are storytellers. And uh, one of the biggest quotes that I love, I'm a quote guy, as you already know, cause yep. I gave up my Thursday's quote was, um, Tell me the facts and I will learn. Tell me the truth and I believe. But if you tell me a story, it'll live in my heart forever. So I just want to preserve the right stories that can kind of resonate to people. Yeah, so yeah, that's where I am right now. It's just coping, learning, and this building a legacy behind it. Okay. Do you find in moments of trying to cope that you find yourself being... Do you do you shut down or do you be, are you more artistic and more creative at those times? No, I've been I've been to be honest right now I've been shutting down. There are projects that I'm involved with right now that needs my creative juices, but I have a creative I have a what do you call it artist block whatever it is. I'm there's no, I'm, there's no inspiration right now, and I gotta find it. And I know where it's, where I have to pull it from. I just gotta go to that that space and and, and get going. So I'm looking forward for the next couple of weeks, what's going to come out of me? Because I, I think I've been through enough to know that I have to put something out there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I mean, based on everything that you do in terms of with mentorship in the community and, you know, social activism and your creativity, I believe that you are experiencing these things because there's more for you to create, for, for you to tell your story. So just, just as a piece I'm, I'm giving you, I believe that it is part of your story yeah. and it's part of you being more artistic and being that legend, literally, that your hat says that you are in terms of creating and telling a story that a lot can't answer. Because when we lose someone that is very young, it how do you explain that? We can't explain that. No. but. That person also did leave their legacy. Almost, oh yeah. You know, so it's like a reminder to us. It's like, you know what? Time waits for no man. Mm -hmm. So when we think we have time, we don't know if we have tomorrow. What are we going to do today to make that difference? That, how, how, how am I going to impact a life today? And I think that's the message that I took from this situation. When I saw that and I looked back and I saw what JV had done and I thought, that is amazing that in 26 years, he has accomplished what most people don't accomplish in a lifetime. That's totally 100% support what you just said right there. You're right. And that's the calling for myself again. Like I said, I got to put in the work. Yes. Right? And um, yeah, it's, it's just been um, an interesting couple of weeks, to be honest. 
and just to sit back and see how everybody grieves, right? Yeah. And I think that you have to start thinking about the call people. I think that we get so comfortable on our phones, our, de- our devices now mm-hmm. that we think our check-ins is through a simple text. Yep. And, um, and that's it. I think my regret, I feel, I can, I can be honest and transparent and I can say this honestly, that um, as when you give yourself to people that I feel that you don't, you feel that when some, you lose somebody, did I give enough before that time, right? And I feel that, I know I, 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 I'm in a good place with, with JV, but I feel that I know I could have gave a little bit more. But I think that was with anything. I think that you could have been there making that last call or you could have did that check-in kind of thing, right? So I just realized with that, I got to realize I got to do that with people that are here. Yes. And, and do more of an honest call and not just a text and just to check in on people and see how they're doing, right? And um, to see what's going on in their lives. Okay. Doesn't hurt. Absolutely. So as an artist, Mark, was there ever a time you just felt like, you know what? Uh, I want to change fields. I want to do something completely different. Yeah, I want to be a dancer. Oh my God, my last guy said that. I know, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> I was being this <laughs> No. Um, ooh. Was there it, anything else? Like something else totally different? Totally, but it's, it's weird because it's like being a teacher, right? But then I'm, I'm teaching, I'm mentoring. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's, it's totally outside of everything. Was there ever a time like you wanted to be, I don't know, a doctor or a lawyer or I don't know, you want to be a carpenter? That, 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 honestly, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking like building things, like getting my hands and, okay. and doing something. But that's like an artist. You're still creating. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm in this world, like I'm in this, this vessel that I can, whatever I see, I can make it my goal. Gotcha. You know what I mean, I'm this alchemist. Whatever that is, I'll, I'll learn, I'll adapt it, and I'll make it happen. That's the gift that I have. And I have to, and I, and I honor that, right? So to think of something outside of everything else, if I say that, I say, but I've done it in some way or fashion. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So you're a creator at the end of the day. Like that's what it comes I'm down to. I'm a vessel of that, yeah. Okay. I just adapt. I adapt. I'm, I'm like water. <laughs> I, okay. make, I form whatever you put me, I form it, I make it work. Okay. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Mark, what would you say your definition of success is? Living. I think fully living your purpose is success, right? And honoring that and, and not questioning that is, is um, success and never wavering, right? Okay. Looking to consolidate your debt? In the market to purchase your first home? Interested in acquiring an investment property? Look no further. More Freedom is here to serve you. We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Want More Freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. What would you say that... When, tell me about a time when you knew that you needed to get yourself out of a situation that was no longer serving you. It's almost like a Dr. Phil relationship question. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, where you come with that question? Yo. Well, it's a real question, right? Because especially as an entrepreneur, you sometimes get yourself into relationships yeah, well, that just don't work. Yeah, but business relationships. Yeah. And He'll kill me. I'm going to tell him, call him out for what it is. Like, I have a, a business associate, and we go head on in our relationship. But there's so much love that we have, right? And many times I told him, y'all, I got to divorce you, man. Like, this is, it can't work. Like, you and I are just the opposite. My family sees the frustrations that I have with him. But at the end of the day, he gets it done in his own nonchalant way. He's going to laugh when I bring this up because it's our private relationship that we have. We argue. We don't even argue. I just get frustrated with him. And many times I tell my other associate, I'm done with this guy. I can't do it. But I believe in him so much that there's, there's a reason why I'm with him and why we bond so well, right? Or maybe I can't find nobody else that can fit that void. Or if I did, I would have hired that person more than him. But the reality of it, he, he's good at what he does. 
Okay. And you can't, I don't, I think, I don't know if I'm answering your question. This, there's, there's a reason that you can't, you, you want to, but you just can't because there's something about these particular people. You got to work with them because you're learning from them as much as they're learning from you. But what about a relationship that just, you know, in your heart that was not working? And, and it, so it, it almost was, it was, it's, it's not good for you and you know, it's not good for you right. and it doesn't serve you and you need it to pull the plug. That's an honest, good question. I, I just, I just crossed, I've never been in those kind of experiences. I just feel that there's going to be rough patches with people and maybe that it just need time. You need to distance yourself from them. Right. And okay. maybe you don't give them as much of, um, of yourself, of responsibilities and you just leave them as what they are. And but still be there for them, but not as much as you want them to be with you in the way it comes to whatever that is in your business or your life okay. or relationships. I'm just, honestly, that's a good question. I just can't think of anything in a way that I have to remove myself from somebody that has been that toxic kind of okay. thing. Because if it was, I wouldn't be. I, you know, your your intuition tells you certain things. You just you just those people. You're not. You shouldn't even be around them. Man. So that's a good point. Your intuition, you do follow your intuition oh, when it definitely. tells you, you know what, this isn't serving you. Yeah, it's not serving you. And there is situations that and businesses that I've, I've done and their actions speak something in a way that, you know what, it served this part. I'm just going to leave it as that, right? And it's a lesson learned. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And through my journey, it's been that way because I've been doing it so many times. I've created businesses, failed through them many of times. But those, those failures is what brings you to where you are today, right? You need those failures to actually see why you're doing what you're doing. That's the level of resilience, like you said. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, Mark, I wanted to kind of get into what are your support systems? Like, you've lended such a great hand to the community in being a support system, doing social activism. How do you keep, who, who helps you out? Who, who helps to give, bring you the support that you're looking for? That's a tough one because in my journey, I've been very um, private and um, sharing myself with people. And I kind of internalize a lot of my um, situations to try to figure out myself. But to answer your question, it's been like my family, like my sister, my big sis. She's been my support, uh, one of my support people to lean on. Uh, my mentor, Dr. John Carlos, has been a, a definitely uh, a man that's been giving me great advice about where I am and what I need to do. Um, I'm very selective with uh, particular people because my circle is very small, people I really give myself, opening myself to. So um, they know who they are. Okay, so you mentioned you had a mentor. What made you seek out this gentleman to be your mentor, or is it something that just happened? It just happened. It's one of those things that, um, again, the universe does, um, gives you things that you that you that you call out for. And so, I always knew of this gentleman, and for me, is it somebody that's attainable at that mm-hmm. time growing up? No. But somehow, like you said, be careful what you ask for, and. Um, when I'm building my whole new business, a live it where, which is Levy 68, um, the premise behind activism is that person who is my mentor now, Dr. John Carlos, and um, kind of guess seeing that visual of him doing what he did at a young age, knowing that I can see myself in that same space of actually standing up for what's right. And now aligning myself and telling his story through my story has been phenomenal. So I'm thankful for that, right? And so, again, I lean on him as much as he leans on me of helping. What's important for you in a mentor? Trust, honesty, um, forgiveness, right? Because as a mentor, the person that's your mentee, sometimes they're going to go through some rough patches and not learning things the right way, right? And you're going to be frustrated. You might say, you know, I'm done with you kind of thing. But you got to have the resilience of, of patience, right? And just allowing to see that person grow, they're planting that seed and they're nurturing it, adding the waters of learning of, of life skills and seeing that become something, right? And then there's those aha moments and then they realize that they understand, okay, now I understand what he's been saying or what she's been saying, right? Okay. So you've got, your, your arm is almost fully inked with a lot of legends. Yeah. There, right? Yeah, you got yeah. Bob Marley, you All got Muhammad Ali, yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm X. 
So what is that passion that you have for history? And I know that's part of your storytelling in all of your pieces. You're wearing Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson right now. So tell me why is that so important to you? I think that our history, our narrative gets misconstrued. And I feel that we have to own our stories. And the one thing about the person who honors that history and controls it the right way, that narrative, will have a better way of articulating it. I think that when we get the wrong people, if it gets into the wrong hands sometimes, they, they embellish their stories about our struggles, right? And I don't want that to be true. And I think the reality is that when you just said earlier about history uh, repeating itself, it's not history, it's people repeat history. So if we correct them in the right way of what the true history is all about, I think that we'd be on the right journey. I think it's sometimes some stories get misconstrued. So how through Lee, is it Lee? Lee Wee. That Kiwi. Kiwi, but Lee Wee. Okay, got that, which is your company. Mm-hmm. How do you keep the story going coming from us? Um, to what I do as, as that vessel, as an artist, right? Um, from the beginning, it's been the most simplest canvas is a t-shirt. I think that we all, two things we do, we wear stuff, we eat, mm-hmm. um, we listen. So if we have the way of, of um, articulating our stories through music, through the visuals, through what we wear, or through what we put on the walls or whatever is in your house, and, um, and stay true to that, I think that's a, a powerful thing to have, right? And that's what Levy's all about. It's like, you live it, you wear it. It's, yeah. there's, nothing, there's nothing like you walk to walk, talk to talk kind of thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe earlier on in the year, I saw you in classrooms. Oh, yes. The next stage of my life, right? Right. I saw you in classrooms. So what do you do through your brand for, for schools? Storytelling. I think that I want a child at a young age to develop their confidence of telling their stories. I think that we become so consumed of telling other people's stories, like telling your own personal stories and your own personal journey or where your parents come from and their adversities. I think that everybody has a unique story. And I want a child at a young age to develop the confidence of telling who they are and wearing who they are. I think that as consumers, we buy into too many different things, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have the ability to start building your own brand, right? Um, and I also, for myself, it's in a personal investment. I feel that if I can kind of infuse my story a little bit of who I am at a young age, and when these kids become adults, they become the new consumers or buyers. And if I impact them in the right way, and I'm still doing what I'm doing, that's the new customers will be coming into my in, into whatever I do. Okay. So that's my investment. Okay. And is that something you want to do more of? Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I think um, giving back, like, I, like again, I'm always continuing to give back, right? So yeah, I love it. I really do. I think helping kids and then they remember you and what you've done and how you impacted them. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Okay. Awesome. What makes you tick? Heat. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're almost there. Yeah. We're almost there. Heating up the studios yeah. today. So, Mark, what would you say two things that you've learned on your journey that you wish you knew pro- if you were to rewind 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Two things that you know today that you wish you knew 20 years ago, what would those two things be? Two things. Well, um, patience, right? Um, success is not is carved in different ways for, for different people, right? Some people get it quicker and some people get it later on in life. You just never know. It's, it's like with um, actors, like, like Morgan Freeman. I'm just, I think I thought of him for one reason because he didn't make it to who he is until in his late 40s and stuff, right? Uh, some other actors made it in their, in the, probably in the younger stages in their life. So you never know when, how success comes, mm-hmm. right? So the level of being patient, right? And um, I think to end it off is understanding legacy, right? And um, what that entails of, of that, right? This, it's not a joke thing, right? That this is something that you really have to... Um, understand of why you're here i think are the two things i think i kind of messed up on the last one there but no no legacy is very important 
And how do you find balance in everything that you do? Like we talked a lot about support system, mentors and so forth, but how does Mark stay holistically resilient? Do you work out? Do you see this body here? Are you crazy? (laughs) I I need to get back to the gym. I was just asking the question. Maybe you like yoga. I don't know what your thing is. you look at my timeline before. Okay. The mark of mark of old. Oh, I was I was a gym rat, man. Okay. I love the gym. I need to get back in the gym. Okay. The spirit wheeler right here needs to. Hey. No, uh, I needs to put some. I have to get some of that. I can wear like a nice little medium shirt. Look like a, <laughs> feel like a superhero. Finally. There you go. Yeah, 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 but what like, do you actually do though right now that gives you that balance? Like when you. You need that time for yourself, especially as a creative spirit. I believe that's something travel that's really be, important. It's important to travel. I think um, seeing the world, okay, and um, find like-minded people in the same kind of arena as you inspires me. Yep, um, keeps me going because I can see how I can kind of collaborate with these people. Because I just like the arts, whatever that is. If it's through spoken word. Or is through like the visual component of seeing another artist do things. It gets me going. It gets me riled up. So I think traveling, seeing that, needs to happen. It just gets you recharged. Okay. Traveling is the key thing that needs to happen. Awesome. And what would be some advice that you would give? Since you mentor quite a few young people right now, what are some of the things that you've seen that you feel that really needs to be identified for young men specifically that you would give as tips for them now? To be more vulnerable in the way of um, expressing how they feel and um, showing people that you care about them. Like even defining, not even care about them, like when you see a brother on the street, acknowledge them. Don't put your head down or just whatever. You see a guy, you just give him that time that you, I see you or somebody that you know. Let them know that you love them. Embrace them. I'm going to ask that question right and interject this question right here because I'm pretty sure you have some historical facts on this. Why do you think that is, is that when we see someone like that looks like us, that we sadly look the other way? Oh, these days, some of the kids, you, you ain't afraid of getting shot, I guess, or you feel like they may come up in the wrong way. I'll give you an example. Just recently that happened to me. I was at the gas station and... Um, Esso gas station, I want to give some context to the story. <laughs> in Scarborough. Yeah. And um, I already pumped my gas and I'm in to pay for my for the for the gas. And another brother was ahead of me. And another gentleman with his son was there. And he kind of guess he didn't bump into me, but he's there waiting. Mm-hmm. So the teller was calling the next person. So the gentleman there, I could see something was off with him, but I didn't know, but I just left it alone. So he's, he's ahead of me, so I tapped him to let him know he's calling you to go ahead. This guy abruptly, this brother jumped and goes, don't touch me. Why are you touching me? Scream, like, almost like he wanted something to happen. Like he wanted, right there, the confrontation between me and him. And I had to like sit in a different place, something would have went down. But I said to him, I said, call me, I said, no. I'm just letting you know that you need to go ahead. It's your turn because I'm not bumping ahead of you. I'm letting you know, just go ahead. Just, why are you touching me? And, he's, and his voice kept going louder and louder. And the other guy there with his son. And um, I said, okay, I'll go ahead of you since you don't want to go. And it, it just it felt he was, you can tell his mental illness with this gentleman. Don't know what it is, but at the same time, I didn't want to interrupt or just didn't want to cause any tension between that. And maybe I could have, be a little bit more to help him. I don't know, but it's just that like he just didn't want something to happen. Or I didn't want nothing to happen. And I got my gas paid, walked out. And then the father with his son, and he goes, my brother, my brother. And he called me and he goes, you handled that well. And he goes, you know, something else could have went down. And I said, yeah, I know, but you can just see there's something wrong with him. And he needs, he's call, you can see he's calling out for help. And maybe hopefully somebody will there that can help him. And it was, it's weird because you see men out there all the time crying out. And that's some yes. way of crying out. It is. And um, Good for you. Yeah, it was weird because hey, I know I, know I ain't gonna, ain't gonna, not going to have no fight because I don't, I don't know if I can hold my own. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm just saying, but it's, you just want to be another statistic of black men erupting over stupidness. 
right? Yeah. And I didn't want to be that statistic of that, right? That's all. Okay. But I just hope this, this guy, we have to do a better job of when you see a brother in this China, encourage them and just try to help them along because there's a lot of broken men out there, men or, or brothers that need help. Okay. What do we have to look forward to from Liwi? Liwi 68? More of me trying to show the best light of myself, right? And um, I want to do more of me. I've been in the service of helping other people. I got to make more time for myself and actually start um, putting out more work for me. I mean, I think that's it's time. I think I, I want to get back into the arts again. I really want to start being more creative and making more time for that, making more space for that. So we'll see. Good for you for saying that. A lot of times when you are in a position of helping other people a lot, you forget yourself on the way. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So it's important to remember that you still owe it to yourself to leave your legacy. My mark. Leave your mark. Oh, it's of the course. show, you know. Yeah, leave your mark. Yeah, my mark. Um, yeah. And continue to be the legend that you are in the field that you're in and not get lost in sometimes in someone else's dream. Agreed. Yeah, on somebody else's coattail, right? Yes. So that's really, really important. So, Mark, where can our viewers find you? Um, you can find me here. <laughs> You're Mark. <laughs> but, of course, you can catch me on my Instagram, which is liwi68.com. Facebook is Mark Lee Stoddard. Um, website is two. It's um, liwi68.com and also the birth mark 50. Um, You've been listening to the Make Your Mark podcast. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at makeyourmark.ca. And please subscribe, rate, and review.